If you have your Bibles this evening, will you turn to Psalm chapter 5? Psalm chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 3, then verse 7 and 11 and 12 this evening. I want to preach a sermon on morning prayer. You know, developing a consistent prayer life will be a major key to victory and fruitfulness in our walks with God. Morning prayer, for most people, will be the best time to pray. I know there are exceptions. I know that there are newborn babies that don't want to cooperate. I know there are schedules where people have to work extremely early and just, you know, having a, trying to have morning prayer is difficult. Although I will say that I worked very early for many years and just got up, just getting up 15 minutes or a half hour early will make all the difference in your world. And I understand sometimes babies don't cooperate. We understand that. And I worked graveyards for over a year while I was pastoring in Kansas. And so I know what that means, too, that you can't really pray in the morning after getting off your ship. I mean, I did that a couple times, but it's just like really was. It didn't have a lot of, in the gas tank to really pray after working all night. And so what I did was I prayed before I went to work. And so I'm preaching on morning prayer this evening. We're really talking about establishing a prayer life in the first part of your day, whenever your day starts. D.L. Moody said, We ought to see the face of God every morning before we see the face of man. And there's such a truth to that. Amen. There's something about spending time with God in prayer before you face your day. And this message is not intended to bring condemnation on anybody or anything like that, but to encourage you and perhaps stir you, if you haven't done this, to establish the discipline of prayer the first thing when you wake up in the morning, even if you work early. Uh, there was, I worked construction for many years uh, when I was a working pastor in Fairfield, California. I had to be at work at 5 o'clock. I got up every day at 3.30. And I prayed, and then I went to work. Uh, and, and so uh, what, what's the difference between getting up at, at, at 4.15 or, or 3.30? Is it really that much difference? It's still early, you know? And so it doesn't matter. It's not like, oh, man, I got to sleep into 4.15, you know? So it's like uh, what I'm saying is that there's something about getting up before you start your day and entering into prayer that will change your life and change other people's lives too. This psalm I want to read tonight, I think I actually, I didn't go back and look, but I think I preached a message from this when I first got here, but it, this is not the same message, so I'm not preaching a retread tonight. <laughs> but um, there was a Christian psalm when I got saved from the first three verses of the King James Version. I'd like to sing it to you tonight, but I won't torment you and do that. Um, but it was a very great song. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. And just, I mean, it was a wonderful melody. And I remember being a new convert and hearing that song and just how it ministered to me. But let's go ahead and read the text. Psalm chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Oh, first of all, it says, to the chief musician with flutes. Psalm of David. So, I mean, hey, they had it down back in the Psalms, you know, with the with, with, with the six-string Gibson, with the, with the flutes, you know, with the, uh, um, you know, with the synthesizers. So, I mean, it was, uh, they had things down back then. <clears throat> Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. 
Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. Skip down to verse 7. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship towards your holy temple. Verses 11 and 12. But let all those who rejoice put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. I want to begin and just talk about the advantage of morning prayer. The morning is where most of us begin our day. And as we go through the day, we're going to be confronted with possible conflicts and problems that we have no answers for, decisions that we must make, unplanned events that we're going to be confronted with, and confronting them with the presence of God upon our lives and the mind of God, amen, is going to help you much better than just trying to confront these things in your own natural power, and your own natural reasoning. I saw a post on LinkedIn talking about why prayer in the morning is so important. And I'm not so sure I you know, with, agree with every one of these. And I'm not sure what they were saying in all of them, but a lot of it made sense, so I'll just read them. It says, prayer in the morning is so important because you meet God before you meet the devil. You meet God before you meet the circumstances of life. You talk to God before you talk to many people. You fellowship with God before you fellowship with other people. You hear news from heaven before you receive any breaking news. You, hear, uh, you sit before God before you sit before people. You kneel before God before you kneel down before them. I'm not, I don't know what he meant by that, but I guess he's talking about maybe if you kneel down before God, you won't bow down to people. You honor God before you honor people. You get into his presence before you get into the presence of people. You feed your spirit before you feed your body. You call Jesus before you call other small names. You see Jesus Christ before you see yourself in the mirror. You sweep your heart before you sweep your yard. And so, so many things there, and I think there's some validity to that. But there is this thing of many times we feel like we're too busy to get up and pray. I'm too busy. I got too much going on. There's an old poem. You may have heard it. But it says, I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't take time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, why, child, you didn't knock. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on, gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He answered me, but you didn't seek. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish, I had to take time to pray. You know, it's a similar thing to tithing. How many of you know that, and if you're practicing tithing, God can do a lot more with the 90% that's left over from, from tithing, with his blessing on it, 
than he can do with 100% without it being blessed by God. We've, we've all experienced that. You know, if you've, if you've tithed for any number of years, you know that the blessing of God, there's, there's a favor upon that, and you're thinking, well, hey, man, if I give 10%, I'm going to have 10% less money to give to God. But there's something about when you do that, that God blesses the 90%. He gives you favor and open doors, uh, uh, supernatural gifts, uh, resources that you never would have tapped into. He says, see if I will not pour out, you know, resources from heaven. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you. Well, it's the same is true when you think about morning prayer. Morning prayer, you're giving God the first part of your day. And when you give God the first part of your day, he can do more with that day than you could do in your own strength all day long. Most people cannot come to church in the morning to pray, but if you are able, I would strongly recommend it. If it's not too far out of the way, if it's not inconvenient, if it's not, even if it's inconvenient and you're able to get here and you have the time, I would encourage you to come to church and pray. But if you cannot, make a place that you make an altar at your home. Whether it's on your couch, whether it's in your easy chair, whether it's uh, in your bedroom, you know, someplace uh, in your home where you can get alone before God in the morning, before you enter your day, before you go to work, before you face the world. I understand interruptions. Uh, we raised three kids. I understand kids getting up and, and, you know, interrupting your prayer life and all that. But I'm talking about when you do have time to get up that little bit early and begin to seek God in your life. David said in Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2, he said, Oh God, you are my God. Early, I, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. So he talked about being early in the sanctuary, seeking God. That David was a man who went to the house of God to seek God. That's all throughout the book of Psalms. David's hunger for God moved in his life because he was thirsty. He was in a, he was in a dry land. He was in a place where he needed to be filled with God's spirit and the rivers of living water that would flood his soul. And how many of you know we live in a dry land spiritually? There may be a lot of rain in Georgia, but I'm telling you spiritually there's, there's a dry land that we live in. And we need the reign of God. We need the reign of heaven. And we need it not only in our church, we need it in our personal lives. Now, I'm going to go 70s on you, so forgive me, young people. Okay? So, but there's an old song. It came out uh, probably when I was 18 years old. And it's called Morning Has Broken by Cat Stevens. And what I didn't know until many years later was this, that Cass Stevens was a kind of a 70s hippie-ish type rock star. Eventually became a Muslim, got weird and stuff, you know. But, um, but back in the day, he was kind of like, you know, real, he had a song called Peace Train, and, you know, just kind of real hippie-ish type love peace songs. We recorded this song called Morning Has Broken. And so when you're listening to it, like, man, Cat, that's, that's pretty deep stuff. Well, it wasn't his words. It was, it, was, it was a Christian hymn. And he took a Christian hymn. He, didn't, he gave credit to where credit was due, which I didn't realize. And let me just read some of the words, and I'll tell you a little bit more about the song. It says, Morning has broken like the first morning. 
blackbird has spoken like the first bird. Praise for the singing, praise for the morning, praise for them springing fresh from the world. Sweet the rain's new fall, sunlit from heaven, like the first dewfall on the first grass. Praise for the sweetness of the wet garden sprung in completeness where his feet pass. Talking about God. Mine is the sunlight, mine is the morning, born of the one light Eden saw play. Praise with elation, praise every morning. God's recreation of the new day. Morning is broken like the first morning. Blackbird has spoken like the first bird. Praise for the singing. Praise for the morning. Praise for them springing fresh from the world. And what he's talking about is there's something about a morning that's almost like gives us a fresh glimpse of life before the curse. Have you ever noticed that in the morning there's things that are a little fresh? They're a little new. The day isn't old yet. And there's so many things in that song. It said, uh, um, sweet the rains, new fall, sunlit from heaven, like the first do fall. And so in other words, it's like the blackbird has spoken like the first bird. Morning is broken like the first morning. So there's something in a morning that gives us a little bit of glimpse of Eden. That it's a fresh day. It hasn't been soiled by sin yet. It hasn't been soiled by words and bad decisions yet. It's the beginning of a new day. And God put into this cycle called day and evening something about the freshness of a morning that begins something new. We understand we still live under the curse and, and lots of bad things can happen in the morning. We understand that. But by and large, there's something fresh about a morning where you can face the day in a new way. This song, he, uh, I read an article from American songwriter. And he said, Cat Stevens, while not the writer of the lyrics for the 1971 single, that dates, that's when it was, I was 17, so, uh, put the chords to a song he found in a hymn book at a bookstore while looking for song ideas. Morning is Broken was a children's hymn written by Eleanor Ferrion, a children's poetry writer. Growing up in England, it is likely Stevens heard the hymn while attending primary school. He said, I accidentally fell upon the song when I was going through a slightly dry period. I needed another song or two for an album. I came across this hymn book, found this one song, and thought it was good. I put the chords to it, then it started becoming associated with me. The hymn in particular is based on a melody called Bunnison, and was considered more of a Christmas hymn for Scottish children. Despite the pleasant images in the lyrics giving praise to God for the creation of a new day, the hymn is often sung in children's services and in funeral services. Stevens Record Company at the time originally did not want to release the song as a single out of fear it wouldn't perform well due to the religious nature of the song. The single became the singest best the became the biggest the single became the biggest seller the company had, topping the charts at number six. And it says the song, you know, it just talks about how each morning captures a little bit of Eden, captures a little bit of the fresh day. You know, many years I worked construction and would start at five o'clock. In Arizona, you work five to one, sometimes 4.30 or 12.30 because it gets hot. And, um, and so you try to beat the heat. You're, at least you're working for the first 
four hours and a little bit of tolerable temperature. And then you, you get in by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, man. It is like really hot. So you try to get your work done before 1 o'clock. And there's something about being, you know, in the desert uh, in the early morning job site and just, uh, uh, you know, just, just being there while the sun's coming. There's a quietness. Maybe a few birds are singing. But, you know, there isn't, there isn't any motors running or generators running or saws going or different things that are happening on a job site. And there's like a quietness. There's like a, a freshness to the day. And it's talking about just there's something about in the morning where if you touch God, you can tap into something. You can tap into a freshness and you can be renewed in your spirit in the morning. It's easier to touch God when you first wake up than to try to catch up later in the day. Solomon had some wisdom. I used to wonder what that meant. Proverbs 27, 14 says, He who blesses his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted a curse to him. I thought, what's he talking about there? I guess he's talking about just guys being belligerent and loud first thing in the morning. How I many you know that's like a violation? It's like getting up in the morning and says somebody's real loud. I remember being on the job site, working construction. Everybody's just kind of sitting there mellowed out, drinking their coffee, maybe having a little conversation. And all of a sudden, some guy pulls up to the job, and he's blasting motley crew as loud as he can, you know? It's just something about, man, did you really have to do that, dude? It's like, you know, things are kind of like peaceful and nice. Uh, we're going to be listening to generators and saws all day. We're going to be listening to all this stuff, uh, you know, and you come in blasting your music. Now, look, I just, I'm doing a little rant there, but what I'm saying is that there's something holy about the morning. There really is something special about the early morning. There's something special about the first part of the day. There's something that God put into it. You know, Jesus got up a great while before day and prayed, it says in Mark chapter 1. He had to make decisions. There's so much he had to do Selecting disciples and different things that he would do. And he touched God early and touched his father early in the morning. David said in verse 3, my voice you will hear in the morning. He made a, David was intentional about his prayers. He said, God, you're going to hear me in the morning. Maybe David was vexed in the afternoon. He said, God, you're going to hear about this tomorrow morning. <laughs> I'm praying about this tomorrow, Lord. This is going through my, you know, this is, you know, I just want you to know, Lord, you're going to hear about this in the morning. I want to look next at focus prayer. Prayer is our lifeline to God, but having an order and structure to it is not a bad thing. I've probably ministered on this before, but, and we know the main focus of prayer is to connect with God, and that's very important. That's probably the main thing to it to feed that spiritual manna into your soul and there's times that I get caught up in a spirit of prayer and it's a combination of just petition and praise and and I love those times but you know there's other times uh, uh, prayer is seeking God for certain things that there's an order to it that we have needs upon our hearts that we bring to the throne room of God 
In verse 3, again of our text, he says, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. He said, I'm going to direct my prayer. I'm going to order my prayer before you. Uh, the New Living Translation of verse 3 says, Each morning, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. David's prayer was a focused prayer. I would imagine David had his own prayer list. Armies that were fighting him, problems in the kingdom, all kinds of things that he was facing. There was a direction to his, there was an intentionality to his prayer. You know, maybe you're wrestling with mind battles and anxieties. And I'm not saying that prayer is going to solve everything, every battle of your mind. I pray every day. I still have mind battles at times, just like anybody else. We all have spirits of fear and worry that want to attack our souls, and it doesn't exempt us from that. But I'm telling you, once you've already prayed, it makes them a lot bearable. At least when you enter into those times, you say, man, I've prayed. I've, I've brought this before God. And there's a, there's a comfort in that, even when you're struggling. Paul said in Philippians 4, 6 through 8, Be anxious for nothing, anxiety. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he's saying, make a request. Make a re- God wants to hear your request. He wants to know what's on your heart. He wants to know what you're going through. Your anxieties, your mind battles, your emotional issues, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And so a combination of prayer, making your, making your request before God, and meditating on what is good. That should be your prayer. See, prayer is where you change your mindset. That you're not totally bombarded by talk radio or just the news of the world and, you know, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Oh, we're going to have a civil war. Oh, the COVID's coming again. What's go- oh, what are we going to do now? Listen, you need to see the face of God before you see the face of man. You need to hear from God before you hear from Fox News or CNN or anybody else. You notice a lot of our struggles, too, are at night. I mean, you know, at night, problems get worse. Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I'm not silent, we know that that psalm is a prophetic prayer that Jesus actually spoke on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But there's something about the psalm there where he says that in the night season, I cry out to God. You know, there's something about the night where we're worn down from the day and the problems just bombard your mind. You're laying in bed, trying to sleep. Let me, have a, let me just give you a little help. 
If you are in bed and you cannot sleep, get up and go to your living room somewhere and pray. Listen, I do this all the time. I'm not trying to tell you I'm vexed all the time, but uh, <laughs> I spend some time with fearful moments and stresses and different things. I'm just being real. I just get up, get out of bed. I go sit in my chair. I'll pray sometimes for 20 minutes. Sometimes I'll pray for an hour. Then I'll go back to bed. And I usually fall right back asleep. Instead of just laying there worrying, laying there being, just get up and pray. You see, a lot of times God woke you up to get you to pray. And you'd be surprised. You think, well, if I go pray, I'm going to have to, you know, we put this big thing on us. Just go talk to God. Say, God, I'm afraid. I, these things are on my God. I don't know what to do. He hears that cry from the heart. We can feel abandoned at times. But God will never ultimately abandon his people. Isaiah 54, 7, 8, say, For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. So there's times that we feel abandoned. There's times we feel like God isn't there. God says, I'll never ultimately abandon you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. You know, God is awake at night when, when we are. So when, when you're vexed by the problems of life in the middle of the night, God's awake. Psalm 121, 4 through 7. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. It says the sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. How does the moon strike you? You ever get a moon burn? You know, you're not getting a moon burn. It's not, you know, usually moon is in summer. But you think about it, it's very true. You know, the, the moon is called a lunar light. It's where we get the words lunacy and lunatic from. Same word. Because how many of you know, have you ever heard the thing, watch out, it's a full moon tonight. People are going to be acting crazy. I mean, the moon affects the tides. It can make the, make the waves in the ocean get bigger. And so in the psalmist, and I did a little study on this, they believe that, that people got affected mentally at night. And I'm not saying that the moon's affected. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that at night, man, vexations can be amplified. Things can just bombard you. And so I would encourage you, hey, get up and pray. Get up and speak into, get up and just talk to say, God, I'm going crazy. I don't know what's going on. And God will help you. Many of our times, our biggest requests are people. If you think about it, people are on our hearts. And just bringing those people before the throne room of grace, there's something about, man, getting up early in the morning, praying for that lost family member, praying for that struggling Christian, Praying for your struggling marriage. Praying for your struggling finances. Ephesians 1, 15 through 19, Paul said, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus uh, and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Now that's a whole mouthful right there. Just Paul just praying for the glory of God to come down on people. He says, I make mention of you in these prayers. I'm praying for God to do these things in your life, that you, would, that you would understand the exceeding power of God, his greatness of his power to us who believe. He says, I want you that your eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you get the revelation of God that you need. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Did you know Paul's from the south? He said, we give thanks to you, God, always for y'all. Okay. Little lame joke. They said, making mention of you. And what does that mean? You don't have to spend an hour praying for somebody. Just mention them. Say, God, I lift up brother so-and-so. I know he's having a hard time. Lord, I lift up that marriage today. I know they're struggling I just lift them. I just make mention of them right now. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to go into, you know, 30 days of fasting and prayer for somebody. If you, God leads you to do something like that, that's fine. But listen, just making mention of somebody. It's a powerful thing. Flip, uh, Philemon 1, 1 through 4. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, our Chippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. All these people, this church, Paul says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for God to do something in your life. Francis Frangipani said, prayer is the highest power through which love is released. You know, the greatest gift you can give somebody is your prayers. That's better than any money, better than any gift. You give somebody your prayers, you are giving them an invaluable thing. Francis Frangipani, I was reading this book, I was looking for that quote where he said, prayer is the highest power through which love is released. And he talked about his parents where they prayed for him during a time when he was, when he was away from God. He was astray from God, and he talked about how his parents contended for him. And he said, he, said, he said, please do not give up on your teenagers or older children. Do not sacrifice God's standards of righteousness to appeal to their carnal nature. They cannot respect you for it, and God will not honor it. Your children were not consecrated to Satan. They were dedicated to the Lord. He has had his hand on them, and he will not forget them. He has heard your prayers and is faithful to your cries. He is God. Prayer works. I'm living proof of it. I look back now and see how many times nothing but the miraculous dedication of loving parents took me out of hopeless situations. The Lord will not forsake his children. He will not turn his back on them. We are never too far from his reach. Believe the promises of the Lord. He is not a liar. He honors a steadfast heart. Hold on. Your children will come back to the Lord. How many of you know that many times when people are astray, whether it's a child, a parent, a, a brother or a sister, there's always that hopelessness that wants to grip, grip us. They're never going to get right with God. 
they're never going to get saved. It's a lie. It's a lie intended to get you to stop from praying. Myself, my mom prayed for me. When addicted to drugs, I mean, I was so far gone, you know, and she'd tell me, she said, I used to go in your, my mom's, you know, five foot four, she's in eternity now, but she was a prayer warrior from southern Indiana, grew up on a farm, I mean, grew up with no, you know, indoor plumbing and stuff, you know, she's a country girl, and uh, I used to go in your bedroom and I'd say, Satan, you can't have him. You know, and she'd rebuke all the spirits in my, because I used to bring a lot of spirits in my bedroom. She'd be rebuking those spirits. And uh, thank God I'm safe today. Hallelujah. So it works. And there was a time, if you looked at my life, man, he is not going to get saved. This guy is not anywhere near God. But prayer works. Okay. Let's bring this home. We have to believe that God is there. Verse 3 of our text says, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. And I believe what David is saying there is, you know, I'm not just going to pray. I'm going to look for you to do something. I'm believing God to act on this prayer. I was praying prayer. I, I can't really tell the information, but... Um, I was praying a prayer for somebody in my family for a number of weeks, uh, and just God came through in a miraculous way. And I was praying for a specific need. And, and it was just blew me away because God answered just powerfully. I thought, wow, God, you hear me. Jehoshaphat, in the Old Testament, was vastly outnumbered by his enemy. And he's overwhelmed, he's full of fear, the army is superior, gathered around him. In Second Chronicles 20, verse 12, he says, O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that has come against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's the prayer right there. He said, God, we have no power, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's a good prayer right there. I have no power to bring this to pass. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. And I'm believing for a solution. And we know that God won a mighty victory there. He turned it all around and they won the victory. Jesus, when he cursed the barren fig tree in Mark 11, 20 through 24, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, um, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. It sounds like a faith preacher, doesn't it? Well, that's Jesus Christ. That's not a faith preacher. That's Jesus Christ. The problem is, you know, they use these scriptures so much that we want to discount the, the we throw the baby out with the bathwater sometimes. John 14, 12 through 14. Most assuredly, I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, 
That I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Final scripture, James 5, 15 through 18. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and did not rain the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. You know, he talks about the prayer of faith that saves the sick and that, you know, forgives sins. But he puts that little sentence in there, that little phrase, that should give us a lot of hope. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. That gives me a lot of hope. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, did not rain. And he prayed again, the heaven gave rain. Elijah was a man with a nature like, why did he put that in there? Because God doesn't want your frailties and struggles rob you of the great resource of prayer. You don't have to be a perfect person to pray. Elijah called down fire from heaven. He destroyed the 450 prophets of Baal. He also took off running when Jezebel came after him. He had nature like ours. He had his mountaintop moments and he had his low moments. But he prayed and God moved through his prayers. And that's what James is saying. He's saying, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have times when you're on top of it. You're going to have times when you're believing God. And you're going to have times when you're struggling, when you're full of fear. But he said, your prayers can have impact. So just to close it, I would encourage each and every one of you here, if you have not made morning prayer a discipline, you would do that. And if, you, if you're just getting started, five minutes, ten minutes, Take five minutes, read scripture. Take five minutes, read your Bible before you go to work. Well, I get up at 4.30. Well, get up at 4.20. Is, that, is there a big difference between 4.30 and 4.20? Is there, is there a big difference there? I'm telling you, it's going to make all the difference. You're going to have more energy. You're going to have more strength. You're going to have more victory in your walk with God. And pretty soon you're going to say, I'm getting up at 4 o'clock. Because you're going to feed that, and that's going to be something that grows in your spirit. If you can come to the church, I, I don't expect everybody to be able to come to church, but if you can come to church before you go to work in the morning and pray, I'd encourage you to do that. I'm telling you, I've done this for decades. And it's been, it's been the driving force of my life. It's kept me afloat during very difficult times and all kinds of battles that I've faced in my life. Just my morning prayer. Okay, let's bow our heads. Hallelujah. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed this evening. Just felt this burden to um, preach on morning prayer. And prayer in general, it's not just morning prayer. I understand everybody's schedule is different. You can only pray at certain times. Sometimes you can only pray when you can. When there's kids around, if you get a few minutes, you blurt out a prayer, and that's a good thing. The Bible says to pray without ceasing.
Before we go any further in this service tonight, maybe you're here this evening and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Perhaps you're backslidden tonight and you need God. Before we go any further, you just raise your hand and say, you know what, I really need God tonight. I don't pray. I don't feel like I can pray. I feel far away from God. My sin has separated me from God and I need to be restored to relationship with him. And you want to get your heart right with God, whether you're unsaved, you're backslidden, you need Christ, slip up your hand, put it right back down. Say, that's, that's, that's me, I need God tonight. I need God. God sees that hand, young man, hallelujah. Church tonight, as I, I felt a burden to preach this, and this was not to bring condemnation on people who haven't been doing this. This is just to stir your faith. I'm telling you, this will change your life. Just giving God the first part of your day. I understand people get weary. Schedules are stressful. People work overtime. Can't always get up early. And maybe you can't do it every day. But just beginning to uh, establish that discipline in your life. You make it one day, you didn't make it the next. Well, that's okay. Just make it the next day. Make it two days a week, whatever you can do. But establish that discipline of morning prayer. It's going to change everything about your life. It's going to change your spirit. It's going to change the way you confront things. It's going to give you victory on your job. It's going to give you joy. It's going to give you strength. Uh, there's something in the renewal of each day. And I know like that old song, it's like an old hippie song. Listen, there's something fresh about each day. And there's something spiritual about talking to God the first part of the day that's going to carry you through the rest of the day. You're going to carry something of eternity of that meeting point with God through the rest of the day. And so I would encourage you to do that. These altars are open if you'd like to come and pray. Some of you, God's going to, I believe God's going to give some people a breakthrough in your prayer life, even this evening. You're going to see a change in the coming days and weeks. 